This is part two of our conversation on 1949's 12 O'Clock High. If you missed part one, it's the episode immediately preceding this in whatever feed you're listening in. For those of you who are wondering what happened to the Shang-Chi episode, a wasp's nest, a fall off a log, and a badass cast happened. It's a great movie. We all loved it. You should see it. And you should punch the next wasp you see straight in the dick for young Tom Strong. And now, on with the show. Just a few film nerds breaking out of a rut Drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks And come and listen in, we're measuring flicks Early on, Savage kind of lays it out for the men It's a great fucking speech Because these dudes, are they got some bad luck going so they get taken off the roster. Savage walks in at muster, 8 a.m. These guys are all like, oh, God, I haven't had my coffee. Let's hear what this guy's got to say. Oh, here he comes. Oh, he's walking fast. Yeah, he is. Power walker. That fucking gate, man. Go, 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 go. Gets up there. There will be a briefing for a practice mission at 1100 this morning. That's right. Practice. I've been sent here to take over what has come to be known as a hard luck group. Well, I don't believe in hard luck. So we're going to find out what the trouble is. Maybe part of it's your flying. So we're going back to fundamentals. But I can tell you now one reason I think you've been having hard luck. I saw it in your faces last night. I can see it there now. You've been looking at a lot of air lately. And you think you ought to have a rest. In short, you're sorry for yourselves. I don't have a lot of patience with this what are we fighting for stuff. We're in a war. A shooting war. We've got to fight and some of us have got to die. I'm not trying to tell you not to be afraid. Fear is normal. But stop worrying about it and about yourselves. Stop making plans. Forget about going home. Consider yourselves already dead. Once you accept that idea, it won't be so tough. Now, if any man here can't buy that, if he rates himself as having, or as something special with a special kind of hide to be saved, he'd better make up his mind about it right now, because I don't want him in this group. I'll be in my office in five minutes. You can see me there. Fucking and shit, dude. out he goes. <laughs> he bangs that speech yep. out and leaves. He's That's like, if you want to leave, see me in my office. If you don't consider yourself already dead and knock off the fucking belly aching so that we can... Because we are all... We're in a shooting we're in a war. war. Yeah. We're fighting a war. Like, the way that he lays that out, the next thing we see is the Medal of Honor pilot walks in, and he's like, all right, what do you got to say to me? I'm surprised I saw you here. You know, you're- he's. I mean, he's legitimately happy to see this dude, too. He's like, congratulations. Because my note was, oh, shit, what's he going to... Is he going to lace into the Medal of Honor winner? Like, Well, he doesn't have it yet. Well, I know, but, but he's, he's been recommended, being recommended for it. And yeah. he signed off on it. Savage so, signed off. But Savage is like, hey, it's very nice to meet you. Oh, wait. Why are you here? Why are you here exactly what's going on here so it's i think it's really interesting that dude um the we find out why that guy early on we find out why that this guy got recommended for medal of honor oh yeah in that b-17 crash they climb out there's a great little thing written over the door it says where angels and generals fear to tread which you know savage proves the lie to that when he starts flying bombing runs with him but that i love that that's in there because this is showing us that thing where it's not like, you know, like the generals order us and we go in and fight. The men are like, even the men are aware, like, yeah, the men who are who are making this war happen, they will never fight it. Right. 
they need people like us to do it because they do the dying and the shooting and the exactly like there's a sort of bleak self-awareness that i really like about that but then this thing crashes and they pull out the captain of this plane he said i wouldn't this is that line i wouldn't believe believe it if i wasn't looking at it you can see his brain and then another guy comes over and asks the commanding officer keith he goes what do i do with the arm he goes what what, you, what arm? What are you talking about? And you go, we find out that one of the turret gun, the turret gunner, got his arm blown off. So they put a parachute on him, put his parachute ring in his remaining hand, and shoved him out the plane over France because he wasn't going to make it back to base. He was going to die. He was so going to bleed out. He was so going to bleed out. Over France. So they were just like, all right, there might be a French hospital down there. Good luck. Bang. Kick him out of the plane. And he's like, I saw the shoot pop. So hopefully he's in a French hospital or maybe a POW camp, like getting his arm fixed. We don't know. That's that's how this movie opens, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, this movie is a pretty straight in the eye look at what World War II was like for this bombing crew. They are not being dogmatic, but they're not being anti-war either. They're just right. showing you. They're like, this is what it was fucking like. Make your own conclusions. Yeah. Draw your own conclusions. I love deal with this it. Movie. Yeah. <laughs> I love this. Yes, yeah, de- like literally, it's deal with it. So we find out that that captain, even though he got shot in the head and his brain is hanging out, by the way. Didn't kill him. Yeah, we looked this up. Um, Carl and I looked this up before the show. This story is true. 100% true. 100% true. Captain gets shot in the head. His brains are hanging out. Back of his head gets blown off. Back of his head gets blown off. Brains are hanging out. Still alive. Just crazy now. Yeah. He's trying to fly the plane. So his co-pilot, by the way, captain gets tagged and blood sprays all over the windshield. Freezes instantly. Because they're at 20, they're at like plus 10,000 feet. They're up in like the 20, 25,000 feet high altitude precision bombing. That high up in an unpressurized cabin, shit freezes. That's that's a reason why they wear bomber jackets. Yeah, bomber (laughs) jackets. big old boots. Big old boots. It's the reason they all have oxygen masks on because you can't breathe above 10,000 feet. And this is pre-pressurized cabins. These dudes are flying at tw- these guys are flying at the top of Mount Everest mm-hmm. with no they have oxygen masks and heavy masks a lot a, a huge number of injuries that went into the infirmary were frostbite that's the reality of these bombing groups so this pilot or this captain has his brains hanging out and he's trying to fly the plane because he's not in his but right. he's crazy now so he's not flying it so great no he's trying to just like jerk the controls around because he's you know he's it's a horror it's not it's not even remotely funny the dude's no. brain's hanging out yep so he's trying to fly a plane w- not even able to think properly so his co-pilot with one hand is fighting the, and he did this for two hours two hours that's what blew my fucking mind two hours again remember this is this is in the movie but this is also a historical event that happened this is how this guy got his medal he has to fight his own captain away from the controls with his right hand while flying the plane with his left Every once in a while, bracing the stick with his legs to wipe frozen blood off the windshield, flew all the way to the bomb site and dropped the payload. And returned back. And home. returned back. The, the pilot didn't make it. No. But he was alive when they landed. This guy fought his captain off the stick the whole time while trying to be trying to get his captain's blood. Trying to thaw it with his hand to thaw the blood to wipe it off the windshield for two hours. Dropped his payload and got most of the rest of his crew back alive. That's insane. And that is absolutely atrocious. And that is also the first thing that this movie shows us. Yep. 
That's very bold. I'm I very I'm I absolutely love this movie, man. You know what I mean? Like, I can't believe that that's what they started with. Where they're like, I can it, see his brain. It's one of the first lines of dialogue. One of the of first lines of dialogue. I what about the arm? What arm? What well, you, shit. What do you want me to do with the arm? We watched them carry the arm out of the plane in a in a blanket. They, like, carry this, they're trying to, like, carry in this, like, wool army blanket, like, this austere, like, all right, we're carrying human remains, and it's just a dude's arm in a blanket, and you're like, the fuck? This is, this is why movies made within four years of the end of the war are kind of horrifying. They're kind of, yeah. And then as you they're, get further. tough watch. They become more. Away, you get John Wayne. You get The Great Escape. You get the fun ones with jaunty scores. Yes. Because, and I, dude, it's like, it's like they were too close to hell yeah. to do anything but show you it. Like, you know, like four years after this happened, this these filmmakers all get together and they're like, let's make a movie about World War II. And everyone's like, let's do it right on. We all remember what that was. Okay, so World War II meant something to these people. They were like, here was our experience, let's show it. And there were some edits made, but but like the Air Force was like, can you kind of have not have Gregory Peck go totally like, insane? Totally insane, but th- to their credit, they still allow him to go catatonic. They allow a- him to crack. Yeah. They just like subtled it up a little bit so he wasn't like a raving lunatic because they didn't want to... Can, they didn't want to like so like some fear in the men right. that their commanding officers would like, possibly get to that. Point, yeah, like right? oh, the generals never crack. I mean, they do. We see it in the movie, but like other than like very minor changes, this movie is one of the tri- bits of trivia that we read was uh, this film is frequently cited by surviving bomber crew members as the only accurate depiction from Hollywood of their life during the war. And when you watch this movie, you're like. It's because it's because the people who made this fucking movie knew what World War Two was. They were there and they showed it to us. And as you get further from the war, people are like, yeah, I was a kid that when that happened, it was like I remember uh, digging a bomb shelter with my grandpa. Yeah. Or like, you know, like, oh, I saw I used to see all the metal winners or like you. They remember the newspaper clippings. This movie's made by people who were there doing it. And they were like, it is not. Dude, the Medal of Honor winner doesn't even have a fucking medal on his chest because the paper, because of the red tape. It's taken some time to get the request approved. That's the reality of war. Damn. Damn, is this a good movie, Carl. So we get that speech. You guys should all just be be dead already. If you just pretend like you're dead, then this won't really. be fine. It won't be so tough. Get out of your life if you pretend like you're dead. It's unfucking believable. Um, So they send in this Medal of Honor winner who's like. Who's like the I, spokesperson yeah, like, for the I, rest of the? He's like I speak for the rest of the pilots. He's like, and what? What are the rest of the pilots' decision? He's they like, don't want to be here yeah, anymore. He's like, he's like they want to transfer out, and he goes, "How many of them? Oh, you all know. of them. Oh, all of them." And Gregory Peck's like, "Wait, all of them? Eh? Mm. Every one of them? Eh? All the pilots? Not even one wanted to like hang out and pretend like he was already dead to be a faceless machine." Man, I was <laughs> feeling really good about my speech too. I felt i nailed it all right now just as pilot to pilot what did i where did i miss, <laughs> like, what did i do wrong i have it written down here the Could speech you give me some notes me... yeah here like where were where was it when you were personally were like i gotta get the fuck out of here and he's like the second you started well, talking. as soon as you open your when mouth you opened your like... mouth i was like i gotta get out of here this is awful i what do you, the pilot even says he's like 
I, he's like, you want to transfer too? And this pilot's like, <laughs> sure he's like, do. yeah. He's like, you think you're going to have it easier in some other unit? And he goes, I don't want to fly anymore. <laughs> I'm going to transfer to be like an infantry uh, yeah, fighter. Yeah, exactly. And the guy's, and then fucking Savage is looking at him like, I must have fucked you kids up. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Did I come on too strong? Shit. But all joking aside, the dude's response to Savage is amazing because he's like, Savage asks him, he's like, don't speak for the other pilots. Speak for you. Speak for you. How do you feel? Like, I want to know how you feel because we clearly have a morale problem. You all want to leave and apparently something is very wrong. Don't, don't think of me as a general. Explain to me as one bomber pilot to another. Tell me what you're feeling. I don't know how I feel. That's kind of the trouble. Well, what is? And he turns and he says it right to Savage. And it's one of my favorite pieces in this whole fucking movie. He goes, the whole thing, sir. Everything. I can't see what good we're doing with our bombing. And all the boys getting killed. Just a handful of us. It's it's like we're some kind of guinea pigs. Only we're not proving anything. You gotta have confidence in something. And at this point in the speech... He's unable to articulate his feelings any further. Yep. And he just goes blank. He can't articulate his thoughts. So he goes blank and he says, I just want out. And my next note is, God damn it, listener, just watch it. Just yep. watch this movie. Because Gregory Peck has this rebuttal where he goes, Listen, son, I'm going to shoot straight with you. We are guinea pigs. We're high-altitude strategic bombers. We're the first people in history to ever do this. I'm paraphrasing this right, much, yeah. obviously. <laughs> Gregory Peck's not like, listen, bro. Hey, yeah, listen, bro. Bro, I'm going to lay this out for you, bro. All right? Shit we're doing? Kind of fucking new. All right, bro? <laughs> like, Gregory Peck. Ain't nobody done this shit before? It's an inspired performance. Yeah. It's just going off. Like, like he's just predicting modern slang. Right. But no, like, he he does. He says, he says, I can promise you this. What we're doing now will one day lead to bombers over Germany dropping bombs at the heart of the Reich where it hurts. Breaking the back of the Reich, absolutely. And he says, and I can't promise that you and I will be the first to do it, but I can promise you that we'll be there. You know, he's like, he's like, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, man. What we're doing now is hard for you to get behind because no one's ever done it. You're feeling new feelings, so you have no context. Mm -hmm. But I'm promising you, and what this, what's heinous about this is all he's doing is he's reiterating the promises, the philosophical, conceptual promises of strategic bombing, which turn out to be false. Not false. He's right. Like, right. Yeah, st yeah. Strategic bombing does hit Germany. We do hit Japan. But like, the thing that's fucking with these kids is what I mentioned at the beginning. Like. You're going to be, you're targeting civilian targets. You're killing civilians. You're killing children and you're killing women and you're killing some fighting men and you're devastating cities and destroying economies. You're, t you're reducing nations to their knees. Mm -hmm. And these are people who are alive in like 1945 who have no concept of this. As people in 2021, we're like, well, yeah, that's bombing war as hell. This is the first time it's being done this way. And these are the children God damn. who are dropping those bombs that's an intense it, that is a that's a pinnacle that's a peak human experience for bat for good or ill that is about as high stakes as it gets 
I mean, it's hard to consider any other stake higher than that. Like you're you're in a you're in a tiny metal tube filled with bullet holes with an oxygen mask on because you're so high up in the sky. If you fall out of the sky, you're dead. You're so high up in the sky that you can't breathe without assistance, and you're surrounded by the limbs and body parts and internal organs of your friends. And your job is to just keep doing this just long enough to drop massive destructive power on a huge group of unsuspecting and innocent people. That's your whole purpose for existing day after day, month yeah. after month, in the worst conditions. Yeah, carpet bomb. Hello? What the, what, what, who's there? What's going on? Carpet. <laughs> they, they didn't They didn't. So it sounds like we're laughing at like the worst no, we're thing not. I ever said. I just said. farted. So. It was a great little tension breaker. I get a little intense sometimes when I talk about the horrors of war because it really does horrify me. But. So um, that charcuterie I had at the winery earlier today is kind of finally working its way through. Hey, man, it's got to come out sometime. This is the place for it. You know, World War One was more the like chemical warfare. But right. <laughs> fair. But um, but Gregory Peck lays this all out and that this bombing pilot looks up at him. He goes. Well, I mean, seriously, listener, watch this movie. But he looks up at him. He goes, I'd like to believe you, sir. But I just don't have confidence in anything anymore. And I think that's a fair statement. Why? Absolutely. You know, <laughs> like, I, like I, I get it. I get it. Yeah, you get it from this. And he's all the actors who play the bomber, like the fairly young, younger bomber class, are pretty young. Yeah, like this kid especially looks like nineteen. Maybe you know if what I he's mean? nineteen if he's a day. Uh, like seriously, he's, he's good. He, yeah. This is a really great performance. You know, he you can see him just like it's like that thing where. God, I know this sounds so like this sounds so cheap, but it's like that thing where like you're too drunk to really follow the conversation, or you're like smoked just a little bit too much weed, and someone's talking to you, and you've been responding, and they're talking, and then you know have to respond again, but you can't remember any of the conversation before it. Like it's that level of that sea that this kid looks like, where he's like, I've been flying bomber missions for like months, and I had to like hold this guy back, and his brains were all over me, and I dropped some bombs, and now you're telling me that this is going to be an ultimate good for humanity, but like, I don't even know I where can't I parse am. Any of this I don't shit, know dude. where I am right now. Yeah, exactly. It's like he's like you're asking me to like make to like consider all this shit. I don't even know who I am, what I am, what I'm feeling. I know that I want to be not here. Like that's it. All the only thing that this kid can hold on to is like, please don't ever, ever make me do this again. And then Gregory Peck spends the rest of the movie making them do it as much as possible. Until the, more than they ever have before. Ever. <laughs> yeah. Before. And they get really good at they it. They get they're the best. They be by the end of the film, again, historically accurate. By the end of the film, they become the best bombing bomber unit. Yeah. To the point where like the transfers are about to go through and all the pilots cancel and withdraw their their transfer requests. Yep, exactly. And they lean in. They're like, all right, this guy, this guy wants us to fight a war. And he seems willing to do it with us. And he lit something, like something clicked in us or something broke in us. Yeah. You know, and the movie doesn't tell you which. But I'll tell you what, we see a lot of broken people. And we see a lot of like, we see a lot of self-sacrifice and we see a lot of grief and we see mourning and we see mental illness. And you don't see all of that shit together in one box in a war movie very often. No, you'll see, you'll see one or two pieces, but you don't get 
all of this. Right. There's like the basket case and everybody. Exactly. Like, oh, right, no, right, right. J- Johnny cracked up. We got to get him. Or, or you'll get the motivating speech and that's it. And when it's over, everyone's motivated and like fine, ready to fight now. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, all right, but we're all so scared. Well, you shouldn't be scared because American flags. And they're like, we're not, I'm scared, not scared anymore. anymore. Like, <laughs> no, this is, this is one of the most real war flicks that, that exists. I'm thinking hard right now, okay? Because... Let's be honest. You and I can be honest. Sure. Saving Private Ryan is a fucking awesome movie. Well, listen, you're That's talking about my movie. favorite director of all time. Maybe his best film. I dude. think it's his best film. Like, oh, that's uh, hard. I know, hard, I know. Man. There's a lot of big ones, but I'm just saying. Ooh. Maybe we're kind of in the trenches a little. We're in, the, know, yeah, but, yeah. But like, if we're if we're ta- if we're talking about a science fiction movie on this show right now, I'm gonna say it's ET's the best movie he's ever movie. done. You know it's what I mean? Like, but, but I think. It's an accomplishment. It really, truly is. It's top three for him. Well, because he's doing a lot of what this movie is accomplishing four years after the war. Right. Like, decades after the war. I think that Spielberg still manages to capture that essence of what it was like to actually be in the war. Right. Um, So, I think it's just because of the people that he surrounded himself with in writing the the script and, and talking to veterans and really getting the... The sense of what it was actually like, and not making a propaganda flick. Yes, that is the biggest difference between. And unfortunately, we're not going to talk about Saving Private Ryan this month. We, we will, will eventually. someday for certain, but not not this particular series. That is the that is almost it's almost like the deciding factor about whether or not your war movie is going to be exceptional, timeless, poignant, powerful a thing to admire and ponder and consider is whether or not you talked to people who were there yeah. while before and while you were making it. Yeah. Because if you don't, you end up with... You're making fiction. You're not making any, anything that... I mean, Saving Private Ryan, Ryan is a piece of fiction that exists in a... Is it, but... but now, is, now, here's something weird, Carl. Is this fiction? It, it is. but It's fiction that exists in the real world, but it's they're based on real people. I mean, 10% of it is not fiction. Right. 10% of it is war footage. Yeah. This is an insane movie. Yeah, dude. It is. It's insane, Carl. Like, it's it's four years at four years out of the war with the war on screen for huge chunks of it. I wanted to ask you about this because last night, I finished this movie last night at around like maybe 10 o'clock. I got home from about work. the same time. I think we watched it almost. We were probably watching it at the same time. I yeah, yeah, like. yeah. So I got, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd watched almost all of it and then I had to go to work. Right, yeah. And then I went to work and I had maybe like 20 minutes left. The big, basically, the I got the, the big, big bombing right. run at the end. The climax of the film is what I watched. And that is where all of the actual combat footage is. And Bird was watching Midsummer Murders on the couch next to me. I told you this off mic, but for just for the conversation. So I'm watching this movie on my laptop with headphones on because war movies are not Bird's thing. I get it. No, I totally, totally do. get it. So I'm sitting here with my headphones. Not Daniel's either. I mean, rather not watch them. You know, sometimes I would also rather not watch them. I'm a, a big fan of the genre. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but like this is definitely a flavor that you don't. They just require like, something from you. Yeah. When you watch them, these are these movies. I mean, the only thing the other the next one tas- like really tasks you with is how long can you sit, dude? <laughs> so I had a restart. Long. So I, oh man. Anyway, anyway, so I'm I'm watching this the, the end of this movie, and it's all combat. It's combat footage. You're watching Spitfires get shot out of the air by waste gunners you're watching b-52 
you're watching or not B-52s, you're watching B-17s like with two engines flaming, flying. You're watching B-17s spin out. And you're and people bailing out of the bailing out of the, the waste gunner slots and bailing out of the bottom of it as they fall through the sky, fall from twenty thousand feet to the earth. Ten ten, and you're watching ten man crews come out. Sometimes three come out, five come out. Because remember, some of these people are just shot to death and in pieces inside that piece right. of metal that's going to fall to the ground, and their remains will never be recovered. And then other times you watch B-17s spin out of the sky and plummet towards the ground, and no one comes out of them. You watch Spitfires lose wings. You watch a couple of Spitfires completely explode. You watch cockpits fall apart. You watch people fall out of their cockpits and not deploy chutes. That's horrific, man. This movie, and you know the most the craziest thing. Well, here here's this is one thing. Bird tapped me on the shoulder while I'm watching this, and she watched the beginning, so she knows that this is combat footage. Okay, yeah. So she like taps me on the shoulder, and I was like, oh, sorry. Is this like was I like I was kind of crying it's a mm-hmm. horrible it's horrible to watch because because like we've talked in the past like some of these like cheaper movies that have like a little like they'll dress animals up as dinosaurs yeah. and make some animals fight and you're like that's pretty bad don't do that or like they'll <laughs> like shoot a rat that's a problem like, dude food of the gods they're just like shooting rats left and right and you're like guys please don't kill any more animals <laughs> this is so hard to watch please no more sea turtles Yes, dude, like Cannibal Holocaust. You watch that and you're like, oh, Jesus, man, that turtle's like alive. You're, oh, that's fucked up. None of that is of any consequence. None of that is of any consequence when you watch this movie and you watch just large amounts of people die. Like, for real. And I 100%, not a single part of me, regrets watching it or thinks that it was distasteful or thinks that it shouldn't have been in the movie i 100 percent agree with the movie's decision to show us this and bird like taps me on the shoulder and i was like i was like i'm sorry am i like like weeping am i screwing up your, your right. night or whatever like that's pretty rough and she's like and i've she's like i'm just i just wanted to like that fl- what you're watching is insane you're watching something crazy right now and i just was i'm, I'm kind of watching it over your shoulder mm-hmm. she's like it's i just had to say like that's wild what you're seeing and it is because when you're watching it like this is a movie that's about the most horrible thing again the most horrible thing in the most horrible element of the most horrible thing that humans ever did strategic high altitude strategic bombing i think that's pretty much as bad as it gets it's brutal it's it's it reduces humans to numbers it's awful casualty rates and shit yeah yeah and it was just it was responsible for just like insane levels of suffering and and it's, well, it's collateral damage it's the whole bad. thing it's yeah. so bad but when you're but when you're watching you watch this movie and then it cuts to you know it's like gregory peck in the cockpit like wiping his brow and he's like watch over on the waist watch over on the waist and then it cuts to 1944 a, a war photographer standing next to a tail gunner watching a tail gunner shoot a German Spitfire out of the sky. You're watching the war. And then it's easy to watch this and be like, oh, it's 1949. Oh, look, stock footage. Stock footage. Bl- black and white newsreel. But if you have been watching this movie and paying attention, you see, we see in this movie four B-17s go down. You watched 40 U.S. soldiers, or U.S. airmen die. Mm-hmm. Those people are dead. That's important, and that and it makes it important. It, the movie, yeah, the, the movie leans in 
to the fact that there's no score. They're not like, here comes a Spitfire. No, they show you a Spitfire and then the wing comes off and the pilot falls out and he falls 20,000 feet and dies. And you're like, yeah, I want to be in it. How, how do you feel about war? You feel, you're feeling like real flag wavy and patriotic right now? Or are you feeling like what in the hell is the point of all this? Right. And that whole scene culminates. This was... This is one of the most insane things I've ever seen on screen. I'm, and you can find this on YouTube and stuff, but to see it in a Hollywood film that is ostensibly trying to look at it with the EQ flat, mm-hmm. trying to just be kind like... Kind of neutral. Yeah, yeah. It's not... It is... I would say that this movie actually leans towards condemnation. I would say so as well. If it's going to lean one way, yeah, it, this movie's ne- this movie has elements of patriotism and has elements of like military service and pride that are very admirable to me. But the thing that makes this movie the most powerful to me is the acknowledgement that this is not a glorious undertaking. This is a necessary, and I don't say necessary hell. And like, man, I had a crazy week at the winery. This is hell. I'm talking about things that you and I and no one alive today can comprehend, mm-hmm. except for maybe a handful, like 10,000 people are still alive from World War II. You know what I mean? Yeah. We get to, we not get, we are, I think I should say we get to. At the end of this sequence, we see strategic bombing, actual, true war footage strategic bombing from the bombardier's perspective. You look down through the glass, the bombardier's in the nose of the plane. It's mm-hmm. a glass nose. Or plexiglass, maybe plexiglass, but he he's looking down through the bomb site, and we look down through the bomb site at a city. And then you look down through glass, and you watch the bombs pour out of the bottom of these B-17s. And then you stare down at the at, as the city explodes. They sh- that's in that's in the movie in this movie. During, as Gregory Peck and the rest of the actors, and I'm not taking anything. I'm not sure. cheapening this. I'm saying that this is a very, this was a very bold thing to put into a film, and I applaud putting it in there yeah. because we should be forced as a civilian population in this like 2021, we should be forced to watch stuff like this. We should see what that was, what World mm-hmm. War Two was, so that we don't casually fucking fling around things like well us is gonna enter a civil war and we should just we should just nuclear do you fi- know what you're talking about you d- when no, you say no. those words you fucking don't you don't you unless you've seen this stuff and Jesus. you're saying that if you say that sentence with this with the with this tone of voice like if we don't really change some shit then the united states then globally we might be at risk of another massive catastrophe akin to right world war ii that sentence you can get behind because yes. you're like ah you understand that you that, get it you get it these are catastrophes these are these are unnatural disasters beyond this imaginable scale how did you react to that seeing seeing the bombing from the bomber's perspective it was not comfortable it's not pleasant it was gut turning actually the whole scene was uh, unnerving and and I've seen stock footage I've seen this I've seen this exact footage yeah yeah in other contexts the Ken exact Bur- same thing you've, you've seen ever these, seen a Ken Burns World War II documentary you've seen you know? these exact same shots yeah and they're out of context all on PBS like but it's like you said yeah in the context of the hour and 45 minutes that we have sat with 
these characters and learned something. Yeah. And now actually seeing that footage with all of that in our head, it's almost unwatchable. I like I it's I feel like I'm I'm but you shouldn't look away because it's important to see. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. It But it was it was it's unsettling. When they draw when the people in spoilers for Midsummer. When the people in Midsummer jump off the cliff and pop on the rocks. Yeah, it's fucking gnarly. That's dude. really hard to like. Yeah, like. Yeah, you, you got to make your eyes stay on the screen because every part of you is like, don't look at don't this. Don't look at that don't shit. Don't look at this. Yeah. But you you do. Yeah. Because Ari Aster's goofy and its effects and yes, it's fun. Yes, yes. This is the same thing. This is, this is the same thing, but your brain. Your the but the impulse is twenty times stronger. Mm-hmm. Your brain is like, don't watch this, look away from this, because you can see you see like this big overpass and there's a big bridge and you can kind of see a factory because this is a real bombing run. Yep. that is a strategic target that they're trying to hit. But all around the bridge is suburbs. This is something that came up when they talked about strategic bombing, which is in a modern world. Wars are no longer. This is a this is a military philosophy. I'm not just saying this out of my own head. This is a philosophy uh, broached by others, or or uh, proposed, proposed or pushed yeah. forward by others. Which is in modern warfare, it's not two armies fighting each other anymore. It is two nations fighting each other because the industrial centers are worked by civilians. So those civilians are contributing to the war effort and therefore become combatants. In short. In modern warfare, there's no such thing as civilians. Germany is fighting the United States. That means the United States is trying to destroy Germany. That means right. Dresden. That means Berlin. That means Essen, all the like Essen, every, yeah. all the people who live there are part of that country, and that country is what we're fighting. So when that bomber gets over that target, all around that factory, houses, mm-hmm. schools, churches, and you can see them. You can see them because that's the nature of these bomb sites is they're amazing you look down and you're like that's a city and then you see a bunch of black lines falling towards the city and you're like it almost peck and pause you it almost it kind of does you. that was <laughs> because said yeah you know like it, it, it you see you see like this beautiful woman and you're leering and like oh wow she looks hot and then it cuts back and it's like now look you're part of this group of like weird leering men yeah. and it, it indicts your gaze in this movie, you drop those bombs because you're in the bomber deer seat. You're shooting straight down. And when you watch that explode, you're like, I just, you just watched on that screen, like maybe 100 billion people die. That's insane that that's in a movie from 1949. Yep. A black and white Gregory Peck flick about war, should be all about World War II, aces and stuff, and it's not. It's you just happen to accidentally watch a movie that's really about war. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. And then they fly home, and I think it's to this movie's massive credit that they chose to kill Joe during this bombing run because they show you a bunch of really horrible shit that reinforces, I think, the, uh, the essential thesis of the film, which is that the costs of war are immense, Actually, the, the thesis of this film might just be. It, there might not be a thesis. It might just be. Look what happened. Show. Look yeah. what happened to these people under these circumstances. You're you are responsible for the thesis. Yeah, like because it's interesting because we keep talking about it. Like this movie leans somewhat in the like 
condemning of war. A little bit, yeah. Because because it's so horrible. Because everything it shows you is so horrible that you're like, there's no way this movie thinks that war is good. Because all I'm seeing is like how bad war is. The interpersonal stuff though is positive. So you're like, okay, the the, the interesting way that humans bond together under very extreme circumstances, that's kind of appealing. Mm-hmm. How bizarre. I feel you feel camaraderie. It's a, this is a complex film. This is a complex, very sure. well made, high level. One of the best piece. written films I've I've ever come across. I was what well, we were saying earlier. I, we never I never finished the thought, but like oh, yeah. Saving Private Ryan aside, this might be my favorite war film ever. This might be a obje- strangely Schindler's List is on my. I get it. Yeah, I get it, dude. And again, like there you go, another another capital M masterpiece. For yeah. sure. Another Spielberg outing as well. I bet, yeah, like okay, Spielberg knows his way around this stuff, but I'm just I'm, there's something about there's something raw about this that Saving Private Ryan even and one what does everyone say about Saving Private Ryan? It's shot in 60 frames per second. It looks hyper realistic. Steven Spielberg was intensely meticulous about yeah. getting all the details right the uniform sensitive the weapons. to to every aspect of, of it of course and tom hanks is a is a history buff himself yep. who like specializes in world war ii history he just put on another one recently called greyhound Super oh my good. god i love Hanks. um it's on prime i think it's on prime um but yeah greyhound it's about um uh, a ship's captain who had to escort unarmed uh like commercial Sick. vessels across the Atlantic during Sick. World War II dodging U-boats. Hanks knows his shit too. Yeah. But there's something about this movie. I don't know if it is the I don't know if it's the fact that there's actual war footage in it, which you cannot overstate no. how impactful that actually is. To see to be shown a fictional narrative by people who were really there and then cutting in the things they really did into the movie, that's a whole other kind of Mm -hmm. film watching experience. Yeah. Or if it's, or if it's because I don't mean this in a a diminishing way at all, but Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg and that production crew who are working on, on Schindler's list and on, um, Saving Private Ryan, and they obviously consulted with huge numbers yes. of vets too. If you watch the special features, it's like most of it is just interviews with World War II. <laughs> yeah, most of it, yeah. But that's really a movie being made secondhand by people who are interested in, respect, and are fascinated yes. by those events in that time. And want to do it justice. And right. Yeah. And that is so noble. I completely applaud yeah. that. But 12 O'Clock High is a movie that's made by the people who did the things in the movie. Yeah. Who were there? Who were there yesterday? And Gre- like, <laughs> we, did we even mention like Gregory Peck was a vocal opponent? Yeah. Of well, anti-war and especially anti-bombing, um, um, specifically bombing of yeah. cities. He did not. He was vocally opposed to bombing Tokyo. But after re- upon reading the script and realizing what was, I, what was there? Yes, and he yeah. brings it, dude. Like. You can see, you can almost see like the stakes for Gregory Peck. You know, oh he's yeah, like he's he knows he's got to bring it. He, one of my favorite lines that he has in here, I was just, I just noticed it, but the uh, it's the it's right after he says that I don't think they're boys, they're men. Too bad they had to find out so young. The next thing he says after that is he's like looks over at Stovall and he goes, I mean, how old is Bishop? Twenty one. Big long pause. It's pretty tough to grow all the way up at twenty one. Yeah, that. Dude, 
you know, like this is like one of those movies where you could just write down everything that everyone says. Well, I realized like halfway through my note taking that it was all just quotes. I'm like, why don't I just download the script and then read it? But then we're just doing a reading. Right. It's like, like and welcome to our live our live reading of Twelve O'clock High. Metric <laughs> scene one. All right, and Carl will be playing right, exactly. <laughs> Frank Savage. You could do it though. Yeah. Like that's how good this script is. That's how great these performances are. If you got some top tier actors, well, well, they did the radio play. I was just about to where say they, where where Peck came uh, back to do the to to reprise Frank Savage. Right. Yeah, he came. It's like a sixty minute yeah, full sixty cast minute radio cast radio yeah. play of Twelve O'clock High, and I'm now I'm like. I want to listen to it. Yeah, me too. You know, I'm like, fucking serious. I'm seeking that I'm, out, man. I'm ready for the book. Yeah. I'm buying this. I will never watch whatever the hell was made in like 2009. There's a, there's a remake. Dude, when I was looking at, because I, I wanted to watch Midway the yeah. other day, because mm-hmm. you know me, I'm on this kick, and there was a remake of Midway that came out in like 2017 or some Midway? shit. Midway? Midway. And I, I fired it up from, on Prime thinking it was- it free? No, I you rented, rented it. Rented a remake of Midway. Didn't Carl? realize I'm it sorry, was. Buddy. No, because no, I, I thought it. I'm getting the 1960s Midway, and yeah, I was gonna watch yeah. Tora 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 after that. And I'm like, <laughs> what a, the fuck is this what? this B level Bruckheimer bullshit what that a I'm great getting? Double feature, man. Oh my god, Midway and Tora Tora, dude, Tora. incredible. I've done that double feature several times. Because I'm we- I'm fucking weird, man. I don't know. I <laughs> no, dig my war movies. Those like, are that's like I said. I do Mister. I I do um. Uh, Mr. Smith, not Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Uh, Mr. Roberts, I do Mr. Roberts and Run Silent, Run Deep as God, a. See, you love those. You, you, I something fucking about, do, there's man. There's something about the the submarine. Yeah, I, the submarine. So World War II is one of my favorite genres, but the subgenre submarine World War II movie is my favorite of the whole fucking bunch. <laughs> Obviously, I'll even like I'll even watch Operation Petticoat. I'm gonna fuck. What, uh, okay, so I was going to ask. I got all like indignant are, about. I know. You're like, I'll fucking watch it. I'll watch it. I'm not afraid of Operation Dude, Petticoat. Let's watch it together. We should watch not In, Yellow Submarine, but we should watch the one with um, Harrison Ford. U571, I just watched the other day. <laughs> <laughs> It's good. Matthew McConaughey's fucking awesome in that shit, dude. You know, where they where they have to get um, they have to take over a, a a German U-boat because their fucking boat got exploded. Yeah. And everything's in German. No one knows how to read and they have to outrun a fucking another U-boat like right now, but they don't know how to like operate. Like, operate anything, where's, yeah. Where's the Christmas tree? Where is it? Everything's in German. I don't know how to... Where's the control for the ballast gonna, and the so fucking ship is half broken? Like, if, oh my God, it's an incredible movie, dude. I've just been... We've never talked about it before kind of because... Just kind of because... What are your outside of the ones we're gonna watch yeah. for this month? Yeah, if you had to recommend th- like three war three? films, three three war movies for people, and let's keep let's I mean Holy not fuck. like Seven Samurai, like modern warfare, modern like warfare. World War One, post World War One. Fuck, I um, know. There's like I mean Hurt Locker's clearly on the list. Uh, right? Hurt Locker is oh fucking brilliant. Because uh, I was actually thinking like it's not a war movie necessarily, but it's about people in it's K nineteen Widowmaker, which is actually another. Um, the same director of Hurt Locker directed K nineteen Widowmaker. Really? Yeah, I did not know. Yeah, that. she she directed both of those. Yet another sub movie and Point Break. <laughs> so. Okay. <laughs> then the remake of the original. The original. The director of Hurt Locker directed the original Point Break. Yes. That. I can't think of her name right now. My what head the fuck? just exploded. That's crazy. 
crazy. And she did K nineteen Wintermaker. Yeah, it's fucking incredible. Like what a what a filmography, dude. All I right. know. So her, if we were gonna give people like a like a watch list, Hurt Locker is one of them, definitely. Yeah, um, I, you, I I like Black Hawk Down a lot. Do you? Yeah, I do. Okay. Have, yeah. Go ahead. It's just uh, I just. It's so intense. My brother loves that movie too. And it's like the the perfect cast for that. Eric Bana is probably the best thing I've seen him do. And all the parts matter. No, and it, Ang Lee's Hulk, but no well, fair. But it's like everything happens pretty much in real time. Yeah, in that yeah, flick. yeah, yeah. So you the, and the stakes are super high, and it's and it's recent enough too where I feel like people can get a sense for that. Where where something. We don't have a sense for for this for twelve o'clock high. No, right. we, I wasn't alive during the time, but we can get a sense for something that happened ten fifteen years ago, right? So I think something like Black Hawk Down, where it is like courage under fire, sort of a situation, right. but it's also not it's not espousing any sort of political agenda. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's the, just those, like survive for forty eight hours and try and get these people out. Those same things are why I like the Hurt Locker. Because yeah. it's like close enough to now that when you watch it, you're like, oh, this happened in my lifetime. Yeah. You know, like this is this is like the lived experience of the current war, which yeah. I mean, I guess in that was that that takes place in Iraq. Right? Yeah. yeah. So we're still there. We're out of exactly. Afghanistan. So, right, yeah, right, like right. the current war. And honestly, Three Kings. Three. I don't think I've ever seen Three Kings. It's goofy. I was gonna say platoon. Oh fuck! I think platoon is. I wanted to give. Good. I wanted to give people a little bit of a release valve. Gotcha. Because Three Kings is not necessarily a comedy, but it's George Clooney. Yeah. Uh, and it's a uh, it's a bunch of soldiers over in Iraq, and they're about to get pulled out from where they're stationed, and they get this map of where like some of the Kuwaiti gold has been getting okay. stored. Okay. 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 And so they go off base on this mission to like find this gold so that they can like. Right. Fuck off and do whatever, that's but your, it's like that's your release valve. Three no. Kings, yeah, I think three, three Kings for a release My valve. We have to valve have one. Is stripes? Holy shit! Stripes is so good. Holy shit! <laughs> do you know? Do you know what a stripes great double best. feature is? Actually, no bullshit. Down Periscope and stripes. <laughs> Shut up! No, <laughs> no, but no, it's it's stripes and um and platoon. Yeah. Yeah, because you get they're both pretty much the same movie, but except one is, one is an extreme comedy with with Harold Ramis. And Bill Murray, and the right. other one is a taut, Heroin. harrowing Vietnam drama film. Yeah, sure, sure. But both of them have the boot camp section, yeah, and then the real war section. Just they like... both only have two acts. Oh, dude! Not platoon. Jacket. I didn't mean full. I meant full metal, metal jacket. Full metal jacket yeah, yeah, yeah. and stripes. They okay. both follow that two act structure. Platoon starts right in Vietnam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are there. I meant, I meant Full Metal sure, Jacket. Sure, gotcha. Yeah, so yeah. that's the that's a really fun and interesting sort of double Stripes feature. And Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, because they're the same movie. Full Metal Jacket's one that the listener should probably watch too. Yeah. That's a damn masterpiece. I know you and I disagree about it a little bit, but that's a well. Good I can appreciate. I can movie. understand. Sure. But I just once we get out of boot camp, is I'm not interested anymore. <laughs> I get it. Um, once Arlie Ermy is off screen. <laughs> well, it was offed. <laughs> I love. Um, Okay, re- really quick. I just want to burn my last notes on, yeah, yeah, yeah. on 12 o'clock high. We went, God, we went so we went long, long, but God, it's, right. it's the... It's it was a, worth it. It's a Again, I feel like the opening episodes for our monthly theme tend to run a little long. We have to like sort of... Parse the theme. Parse the theme. And also, like when we're doing like car movies, we're in, there's a certain amount of talk that you talk about when you talk about car movies, but what we're talking about this month is war, Carl. Right, it's pretty heavy it's shit. It's heavy shit. And you know, like I, we were saying earlier... Um, 
uh, again, off mic, we were saying like one of the beautiful things about the podcast is there are conversations that just for any human to have with another human is an uncomfortable thing. Yeah. I would argue that what you and I are going to be doing for the next five episodes is that because yeah. talking dude, talking about war is a that's it's a that's a that is a hell of a conversation to have because there's political stuff that comes into it. There's personal beliefs there's mm-hmm. personal lived experience yeah like we haven't gotten into it here but we've got some sub stuff coming up where i suspect that your time in the navy although you were more working with airplanes so yeah yeah you said that this one like really but got you. that's when when i was going in for my a school and and i was testing for i wanted to i wanted to work on a nuclear a dallas class submarine You're i wanted to be in mind, the nuke okay, program yeah, yeah yeah no i and i just i missed the math i missed the fucking math on the test by like five points or some shit gotcha. so i went to air framing in hydraulic maintenance instead okay so i got to work on 16s and shit and then work on an airfield in, in norfolk and a training squadron but mm-hmm. either way uh but yeah submarines have always been a very much like the at the heart of my like interest in naval warfare and and just the whole history of Fucking submarines is just mind blowing. They Civil shouldn't War. work, just like planes. Yeah, they shouldn't fucking work. They- <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Human ingenuity. It's like we were talking about earlier. Like I can imagine that amount of creativity effort. and effort. Yeah, put put towards like health. We're so fucking stupid. <laughs> we're dumb monkeys. Dumb. Man. We're like, hey, we we invented this thing that can go underwater for days at a time the thing that and we're gonna use it to launch icbms at each other we're fucking stupid the thing that blows my mind the most captain nemo be so disappointed i know and right in his thinking yes he would be both like righteously angry and righteously right yep the the thing that blows my mind the most right especially we're all professor aranax just like what's happening (laughs) you mean like you and i like the, the u.s citizenry I don't know, because that's Nemo is such an interesting his thing. Well, for those of you who haven't read uh, Twenty Thousand Leagues, Leagues Under, Under the, the sea. sea, like his big thing is he's anti-war. Yep, like that's that's Nemo's like bone to pick with the world. Is he doesn't like, ever step on dry land? Right, like, he's get like everything from the sea. Right. So, anywho, the, the thing that boggles the mind for me the most is when we talk about like. Well, we don't have, well, yes, it would be nice if we could, like, get this medication out that would save millions of lives, but we just don't have the money. Yes, our education system is, like, a shambles, and we all know, everybody knows that we should pay teachers more. But here's the thing. We just don't have the money. And, you know, our roads are falling apart. Like Entire infrastructure. Our infrastructure is falling apart. The speaking of the military like the army corps of engineers are the people who rate how like how solid our infrastructure is every year and they have failed us for a decade running this is not a new but you know here's the thing we don't have any money for that carl is the problem but we do have like 700 billion dollars price tag out of one of those things any of it yeah like like uh, we need to, we need to make an airplane. How much is the airplane going to cost? One hundred and seventy billion, like or like seventeen billion dollars. Right to d- design, yeah, ten, ten billion dollars. Like how? Okay, well we have some like R and D we need to do, yeah. so we need a hundred billion dollars. Wait, for what? For R and D? Yeah. Well, how much is the thing going to cost to make? I don't know, like half of that, like fifty billion. Wait, hold on. You said one hundred and fifty billion dollars to like come up with and make a new weapon. 150 billion like like i think we were doing just fine killing each other with spears and shit like yeah, i'm gonna we, look this up because i'm just i'm just making numbers up yeah i I'm, know right <laughs> i'm gonna look up the u.s military budget right now 
Oh, we just throw up in my mouth. I know. Because they don't pay their enlisted or their their CEOs very much fucking money. In 2021, $703.7 billion with a B. That is almost a trillion. You're heading into the neighborhood of a trillion dollars. <laughs> that was like that was how my math works. Three hundred billion dollars away from a trillion is not close because billions are really billions big. Billions are really big. Bill- billions are big. But when when ten is what you're aiming at, and you're at the seven, yeah, that, you've cranked the dial exactly. like pretty high. So this is the, that it's that thing that you. That's I think that's why that resonated so strongly with me when you said that earlier is because that's the thing that boggles my mind the most is when people are like. If only we had the money for all these things that would make the world better. And I'm like, so, you know, the one thing that above almost all other things makes the world worse. We spend all our money. Most of our money is in that. So, like, you got your column of, like, things that make the world better and things that make the world worse. <laughs> yep. And, like, war is the folder in which you put all of all the, the things, things that yeah. make the world worse. And then we... It's the right-click on your home yes! screen. Like, and you've allocated... New folder. New like, folder. Dump everything into there. It's like, well, it's, yeah, it's like, man, all these shitty things I got, are, like... I should really clean up my uh, desktop. I've got all these documents, like, individual shitty bad things. Let's make a subfolder that we can put these in. War. Click. Just and then it's, like... Drag the big square yes. around them all, around them drag all, them drag. into that fucking folder. <laughs> yes. And then it's like, all right. No. You got another one that says teachers and shit. Yeah, it was like other, <laughs> it's like war, other, other stuff. stuff, you know? And then it's like, here's your button. Miscellaneous. Right, and they give you the pie and they're like, now here, you can allocate as much of the, you took three quarters of it. Where are you going? I just put it in the war one. Was that not what we were? I thought that's what we were doing though. We're not. Anyway, it's done. Maybe next year. Maybe they, <laughs> you know, and they give you like that boggles the yeah, mind. Yeah, dude, it's wild. Oh, there's no anyway. Like the, my very last thing I wanted. My, there's a great line in here that I just love, and it's it's such a casual acting moment. I almost wonder if it's like ad libbed, but oh, you, I can guarantee you nothing was ad libbed in this. I know it's so tightly yeah. scripted, like every single thing. But it's I guess that means that to Gregory Peck's credit, it's so it's natural. natural yeah. But when they're flying over that, uh, doing that last bombing run, and they're like, you know, like oh. But, We've got we got uh, uh we got a full squadron of Spitfires um you know level level ten o'clock you know they're calling out positions and then someone just goes you see like some Spitfires fly up and someone go they all have throat mics so the audio gets yeah really all the larynx um very cool yeah. um clock them coming up on the other side <laughs> fucking Savage just goes into his mic don't yell on the interphone be specific how many where yeah. <laughs> just is like flat delivery listen how many where yeah. don't yell on he the dads him so yep. hard he's just like don't yell on the interphone. dude that's another bit of fucking business the, those throat mics because it's so fucking loud in a b17 a regular like headphone microphone Doesn't you won't work. be able to hear it so they had to invent that that just literally picks up the audio based on the vibration of your larynx. Mm. That's why they have to hold it when they're they press, they press, yeah, the, press it against that. their throats so they can get a clear 
like a clear it, it's Zelma's lying one of these right like, right it's the same sort of idea modern special forces uses a similar technology that picks up the vibrations in the bones in the in ear ear yeah. it's to, called sub a sub vocal microphone or something uh, like you that can, yeah. and you if listener you can look into this you can buy these as just a civilian because they're safer for like cyclists and stuff because yep. you can still hear the sound but your ears are open because so they can, don't cancel any noise right they just all they do is transmit really important for an operator because you need to be able to hear your environment yep you need to you need to hear everything around you you need to be able to hear the dude next to you i but didn't you, mean a telephone operator either i meant like a i know special you meant, forces operator now here's the thing i there's a i don't like that term and here's why because there's a huge chunk of the populace that refers to people and or themselves as operators right oh, fuck. the dudes who talk about operators like yeah, I had a buddy, and he was down in uh, Kuwait. He was in Kuwait. He was an operator. Was he though? Yeah. Look, man, when you are thrown around, and you totally get the pass because you're right. Like that—that that is the group of people who use this technology. Because Unless your paycheck comes from the CIA, you can't call yourself an operator. Yeah, man. If you've got like serial numbers on your weapon still, if you're wearing like like identifying if your uniform has if identifying you can still marks. remember what your actual last name is you're probably not an operator <laughs> i just mean that like in the in probably all of the world it gets thrown around a lot yeah there's like a thousand there's like 1700 if that maybe dude. yeah we're talking when you when if you're gonna be an operator you better be like the elite of the elite i'm talking like seals get this de- designation airborne rangers yep sog units they don't exist anymore now it's what are the, uh what would they be called? I, there, there's a, a modern analog. Sog yeah. units don't exist anymore. Those were Vietnam. But those people, those people who do that job, I think they're called like USJ. It's a JSOC? Joint, joint. That's my, like a jerkin sock? No. I have one. Uh, anywho. <laughs> Sorry. There's another. It's, it's late now. I'm starting to get punchy. I'm with and you. I'm with you. Semen jokes I'm are with you. Out. They've They've folded that into another thing. But like, man, there's only like. A, yeah. There's a couple operators around, but if you, he if, may have ran point on a mission or two, and probably had a couple of good runs, but not an operator. I don't know. It's. I feel like that. I feel like that term automatically comes with like a Glock 19, <laughs> and like a, right. a like a back like a backpack like a Molly backpack. Yep. You know. Oh my god! <laughs> if you bought you know half your gear from an Army Navy surplus store, you're not an operator, and you probably don't know any. You know, like no, if, like maybe, no, maybe. Guess what? But... If you think you know one, they're not one. <laughs> that guy got his stuff from an army <laughs> surplus. I don't know, man. I hear the term all the time, and I'm just like, I'm like operator, huh? Mm-hmm. You think? I don't know, man. I read into some SOG units. And I kind of don't think we're talking about the same thing. I don't know. Think the word means what, what you, you think, think it means. means. Yeah, yeah, like. You, I was. You were a jeep operator. You drove a jeep. Right. You were a driver. You operated things. <laughs> But it does not make you an operator. It's like it's like every every champagne is a sparkling wine, but not, not every sparkling, sparkling wine, wine is, is an operator. Sh- <laughs> <laughs> it's clearly too late for us to yeah, keep doing the podcast. Oh, we we hung in there so long. We did. It's we so nailed, good. We nailed it. We, we honestly did. probably like we've probably fully exhausted this talk, which I is good. So, because but it's in a good way. Man, twelve o'clock high like deserved to just be talked about forever. Yep. Listener, watch the shit out of it. This movie is outstandingly good. Couldn't agree more. We'll see uh we'll see how we feel about next week's movie. I'm going to guess not as good no. as this one. Which is weird cuz I have memories of loving it and so it's do I. not So it's, do I. It's really macking me hard, man. 
It kind of is. Go back and it's listen to season one. So far, spoilers, boring as fuck. Haven't been able to finish it yet. It's a bridge too far, and it's a it's a bridge a too, too long. long. It's a it's a snooze too hard. <laughs> it's dude. It's kind of boring, but we'll talk about it next week. There are definitely positives. Yeah. Some of the most beautiful aerial photography I've ever seen. So do you like just hang in there, listener? There's some good stuff, but yeah, some of it's boring. And uh, yeah, one final thing before we say adieu is if you ever need to uh, find out what your movie times are at your local Cinemaplex, just dial your 